Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Veterans Care Association and Timor Awakening podcast. The Timor Awakening program is an 11-day immersive, holistic and peer-to-peer veterans program based in East Timor that has a singular vision, which is to promote the health and well-being of veterans and veterans' families. Due to the current restrictions from COVID-19, we are running slightly abridged programs on the Gold Coast uh, with the same vision and same aim. We're using these opportunities to sit down with our participants one-on-one and conduct podcast interviews to capture their story and their lessons learned and things that we can all learn from uh, as we as veterans and wounded healers move through our own journey and help others do the same. We're going to be covering a whole range of topics including defence transition, mental health, relationships, veteran suicide, PTSD and post-traumatic growth. Whether you're out and about or listening to this at home or driving in your car, we do trust that you'll learn a lot by listening to our participants. Thank you and enjoy. Hey guys, welcome back to um, another podcast. I um, am sitting down with Sean DeGelder and um, I actually knew Sean's brother Dutchie in uh, 3RR back in the day, but we'll circle back to that in, in a little while. And uh, we're just at the tail end of TA16 and uh, people are starting to go into retrograde and getting ready to go back to their day-to-day lives. So we're just uh, scooping people up while we, while we still can. So welcome to the podcast, mate. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. And mate, we didn't really know each other all that well back in the day, but I certainly knew your, your brother when we were both in, uh, in the battalion in 3RR, kind of like early to mid-2000s. Yep, that's it. Days. But um, in terms of yourself, mate, what, what's been your kind of military background? Uh, so mine was I uh, enlisted in 1998 um, yep. and I was posted to Afield Battery, which was in Holsworthy where you were. Mm-hmm. And pretty much um, got there in '99 and deployed straight away to East Timor, which was pretty awesome. Straight into the breach, <laughs> straight from school into the into the deep end. There you go. That must have been a hell of an experience. Yeah, it was good. Um, quite nerve wracking. I remember sitting, um, just flying in, and uh, I got onto the back of a mog, and I was sitting there, you know, just reflecting a bit and thinking, "What the hell am I doing here?" Yeah. Must have seen some things. That, so, how old would you have been at that point? I just turned eighteen. Just turned eighteen. So, yeah, so uh, September, I turned eighteen. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. So you would have been just old enough to go. Yeah. Well, we had a couple of people in our unit that were um, hitting a little bit young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because was that the rule? Like you can join at seventeen, but you can't deploy till eighteen. I thought. I thought that it was, was supposed to be. Yeah, you can't deploy till eighteen. But uh, yeah, it it happened. So, what was it like being in a fresh faced eighteen year old going to a Essentially, a war zone. Uh, it was it was pretty scary. Um, I wasn't sure if I knew my my job good enough yep. to be where I was. Yep. Um, I just left school. Uh, my mates were still at school, so I'd left halfway through year twelve, um, and I'd just come straight out of IETs um, doing a gun course in artillery. Mm-hmm. And but I was actually deployed as a you know under uh, infantry. Yep. So. You know, I hadn't done infantry IET course. The only only um, stuff I'd done during that was like you know Kapuka, and so I my skill sets. I was a bit worried that they weren't up to up to scratch that time. Yeah, I imagine there would have been a whole lot of doubts there in everyone's mind, no matter what level you were at, whether you're a commander, whether you're a number two on the gun, or whatever the case may be. I'm sure everybody entertained their fair share of doubts being over there doing it real for, for potentially the first time in their careers. Yeah, and um. I think after about two weeks, I sort of just got 
it um, became natural straight away. Yeah. Um, all the, the, the fear and anxiety and, you know, it sort of just left and you just got on with your job, whatever you had to do. You had to go and sandbag for eight hours and <laughs> build in. bunkers yeah. and that's what you did. All the uh, fun stuff. Yeah, yeah. So it, it was good. It was hard work. It was hot. Never been to an environment like that before. Yep. Um, showers weren't too frequent at the time. Uh, so it was one stage that I you couldn't see the camouflage pattern on my uniform uh, it was, it was right. pretty much just brown wow that's uh it sounds like some um, some interesting times and so you're six months deployment i assume yeah okay. six month deployment yeah. and um yeah it was it was pretty good came yeah. back a bit mm. bit how are you going yeah after the the, uh, the what do you call it um uh, brl brl, uh, yeah. BRL yep, yep. stand down yep and yeah and so after that, what was what was the kind of career profile post Interfet? So yeah, I, I really struggled um, coming back from Timor. Um, I I struggled to live in Australia. Uh, I struggled to sleep. I remember I was, I was living in the lines, and I was sleeping on my floor. Um, I was drinking a lot, and um, I remember there was a time. We were supposed we were training to go back to Timor in two thousand and two, mm-hmm. and I was um, I don't know something just hit me like I, I I really wanted to go back but I wasn't sure I was I was ready to go back and I and I certainly didn't like living in Australia, so I actually ended up going AWOL and really and I was living on the streets in Papua New Guinea. Wow, I did not know that. Okay, <laughs> there's a left ball right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so. You went AWOL prior to the 2002 trip? I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah like a week before. Right. Yeah. And um, so I went and lived in PNG on the, on the streets for about six weeks. Okay. And um, realised that the army had cut my pay off, so I had no money. Um, after about six weeks, I, I realised I, I can't keep doing this, so I went back to Australia and... <laughs> And uh, yeah, I just pretty much walked walked straight into my unit and said, "Hey, I'm back." I'm back. <laughs> and they were pretty cool, actually. They were pretty cool. They welcomed me back, and they were, they, I think they were just worried about me. Yeah. Um, they probably had realised I'd I'd been struggling a bit, and yep, yep. Um, they'd contacted my brother who was in three area, and mm-hmm. yeah, so it was um, got into a little bit of trouble for it. Yeah, what was the fall out of that? Yeah, so I ended up um, being charged and uh, sent to the Defence Force Correctional Centre for 21 oh, days. Of course, everyone's and, um, favourite place. Which yeah. is, yeah, it was an amazing place to go. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. And uh, it's, it's funny, this is typical military type stuff. So I, I only know Dutchie as Dutchie, so I actually don't even, can't remember what his first name is. What's your brother's first Paul. name? Paul. Paul, okay, yeah. So for those who are listening who aren't aware, so Paul de Gelder was uh, the individual involved in the... Um, uh, the bull shark attack in Sydney Harbour. We lost an arm and a leg. Is that right? Yes. Yes. So that that happened after Dutchie left three hour and uh, was applying to be a clearance diver. So that is your brother. That's correct. Yeah. And he's off living all around the world doing crazy stuff. Yeah. So now he's um, he's living in LA, living the life. Yeah. Um, Diving with sharks. <laughs> he takes us. What's the statistical probability of being bitten twice, right? Yeah, I know. I, I chat with him all the time and he tells me, he goes, my, my two worst fears were public speaking and diving with sharks. 
Um, and that's what he does now, public speaking and diving with sharks. <laughs> <laughs> so he does that as like a his own yeah, business? So, yeah, so he's yeah. the um, – he was – I think he's employed with Discovery Channel, I think, oh, okay. who do Shark Week. So he's the host wow. of Shark Week now. Um, but he does um, some other documentaries with Discovery Channel and he takes out um, celebrities. Uh, and th- I think they normally go out to the Bahamas – and he takes some diving sharks. So he's taken Ronda Rousey out there. Uh, he's taken Mike Tyson out there. Wow. Um, a few other ones. But, yeah, he's, uh, he's going well. Yeah, yeah. And when they see that, uh, see his, uh, his condition and hear his story, none of them get turned off the idea of swimming with sharks? No. Um, well, yeah. Well, Mike Tyson, <laughs> actually, he threatened to kill everyone on the boat. But <laughs> wow, okay. But, um, no, they just... They just think um, – they see how confident he is yep. at what he does and he makes them feel at ease. That's an incredible story. Yeah. That's a really cool like transition from, you know, a disaster really. Yeah. And yeah, obviously yeah. an end of a military career I assume. I can't recall the story in detail whether he was removed from the Navy immediately or not but clearly not going to have a long-term future in the Defence Force and he's gone yeah. off and done this. How cool is that? Yeah, I think it, it just shows like um, you can go through some really tough times. Yep. And um, if you set yourself um, set yourself up with a positive mind frame, and surround yourself with good people, and do a lot of research, mm. you can actually uh, improve your mm. life your life more than what it was before that bad experience. Yeah, and, and what was the effect on you when that happened? Obviously, it would have been a, a shock to the to Gilda family as it was to. Yeah. Yeah. So um, when that happened, I had actually just uh, done my aptitude test to become a clearance diver. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My parents weren't uh, too ecstatic with that. So you know, just for their sanity, I I I pulled back and I stayed in the army. (laughs) By that time, I'd caught transferred and I become a petroleum operator, which was. A much easier job. Yeah, and no sharks around. No sharks. Patrolling depots. So that's a, that's a good way to go. Nice one. And um, well, let's, let's sort of bring it back to more on yourself now. So you, how much longer did you stay in the military for? So you ended up to become a pet op. What was after that? Yeah, I, I became a pet op in 2006. Yep. Uh, deployed to Timor straight away again, 2006. Okay. Yep. And did a six-month deployment there. And then another eight-month deployment in 2010. Okay. And then I discharged 2013 uh, as a sergeant up in Townsville. Yeah, right. And so what was that, that period like for you? Because everyone's sort of story of transition out of the military into the civilian <laughs> life, as it's called, is, is different. What was yours like? Mine was – it was not really good. Um, the last unit that I was posted to, I feel that I, I wasn't really treated well. Um, when I did discharge, uh, it was pretty much uh, a handshake on the playground and see you later. Um, there's no support offered at all, and I was just I was just left to. I, I I actually did have a job to go to. Yeah, but there was no one from the army that really told me where, what to do. Uh, I don't know if they just didn't do that because they knew that I was going to another job. But there was no transition. I had no transition seminars that I went to or anything like that. Yeah, right. And so what? Um, that's actually unusual for someone to have uh, – well, it's not unusual, but a lot of times people get out of the Defence Force, they don't have a job lined up. So that's actually pretty organised by many by a lot of standards. So how did that all come to pass? 
you said some networks or how that work? Uh, yeah, so the job that I went to was over in Western Australia on a um, uh, Barrow Island and it was a construction of a oil and gas site. Yep, yep. Um, and the crew that were over there were all uh, ex-military people that I'd worked with before. So they sort of found out I wanted to get out and yep. hooked me up with a job. So I just pretty much transitioned yep. from that army into – these, well, a civilian army because these guys are all ex-armies. Right, right? okay. Yeah. That, that, that does help. Yep, that's that's pretty cool. Which, yeah, it did help a little bit. You know, it was um, sort of didn't go straight into a civilian job where I, I you know, hadn't worked prior mm-hmm. and didn't know the sort of the civilian way of life and living and rules. Yep. So, yeah. And so what has sort of post-defence life been like for you for those years? Uh, post-defence life was pretty bad. Yeah. Um, I went through a divorce. Yep. Um, heavy drinking. Um, I I never really had a purpose. So after the job that... Um, yeah, I was, I was a bit lost and um, my marriage was struggling. Yep. Um, ended up going through a divorce with my wife for two years. Mm-hmm. And we were lucky enough that um, I sort of... Well, I was able to fix myself up a little bit and um, we were able to reconcile and get back together. But that came with some other baggage as well. Um, and so I, we moved down to the Gold Coast and we wanted to find out why I was doing the things I was doing. Um, I did have a job at the Gold Coast working as security up in Canungra and I was... Um, Seeing vi- army vehicles come in and out of the front gate was sort of triggering me. Um, I wasn't sleeping well. So I went and I met someone, I think it was at the Vietnam Veterans Shed, and they put me onto an advocate just to have a chat with them. And um, from there I went on to see a psychiatrist and everything just uh, came out then sort of. The psychiatrist diagnosed me um, with the stories I was telling him, what was happening to me diagnosed me with PTSD and a few other things. And it was it was actually sort of a relief because I knew why I was acting the way I was. It wasn't just in your head, it was a yeah, real thing. Yeah, I thought, you know, it's just, this is just what happens. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, I can't talk about it because I, I'm, I feel like I'm complaining on what's happening, but other people are, it's the same as other people say. Yep. My wife was so happy when she found that out. She's just like, thank God I know that... You're not an asshole. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or if you are, you're a clinically di- diagnosed one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. And so, what what was next after that? So you got the diagnosis. What was? Yeah. So after that, um, the wife was quite happy because my psychiatrist said you are not to go back to work, uh, which I was. I started getting into a bit of trouble at work, so I stopped working, and she was happy that I was at home. I was quite. Um, that really set me off. I was quite agitated because I was like, okay, what do I do now? Mm. Um, I'm a person that always has to be doing something, yep. can't sit still. Um, so I was I was quite lost, uh, really worried on um, deteriorating. Um, I went missing for, you know, a few days here and there where I was just trying to find myself. Uh, people were really worried about me. And I was lucky enough I... Um, my my wife was a, a woman of faith and she took me to church and um, 
that was a quite of a, an experience. I, I was not a, a believer in God, so I sort of sat at the back of the church, just <laughs> looking at people putting their hands up and singing and praying, and just thinking, "What are these people doing?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you in, sort of embrace it, or was it just a? No, I didn't at the start. Yeah. I was, you know, yeah. I um, I had a lot of anxiety being in there. Like I, I had sort of um, separated myself from people at that stage. Yep, yep, yep. Um, but I kept going, and I actually sort of. Um, I found peace after a while of going there. Okay. And that's where my faith sort of grew. I, I was looking, I was, I was still looking at these people in the church and I was wondering why they, were, they, were, they looked like they were so at peace and, and they were so happy and, and they were so loving towards each other. And I, I thought, I want to be a part of that. I want to I have friends like that who yeah. will love me mm. and not, you know, um, judge me for what I've done in the past. So... My faith just grew from that, yeah. Yeah, is that something you're still pretty active in today? Yeah, so um, very active with faith today, love God. Um, I do pastoral care for a veterans charity, PTSD yep. Resurrected. Yep, yep. It yep. was uh, founded by Andy Callan. Callan. Yep, yep. And so I've just started um, pastoral care for that charity this year. Um, the last few years before that, I was a mentor. Cool. And um, doing that course has really helped my marriage, saved my marriage. Um, we were able to talk about a lot of things that Veterans Care Association go on with, um, with forgiveness yep. and um, purpose and moral injury. Mm-hmm. So both of these courses are abs- absolutely amazing. Yeah. 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 And what sort of brought you to, because you've been ac- active in the ACA community for a while now it sounds, what brought you to Timor Awakening specifically? So Timor Awakening, I've been trying to get on this That's right, um, yeah. course for some years now. I've mm. known Gary for quite a few years. He's been trying to get me on there. Yep. And things just never aligned. Uh, I really wanted to do the 20-year anniversary uh, as I was part, you know, I was part of that um, Interfet- deployment, yep. Interfet deployment. Mm. Um, that didn't work out. I ended up having a daughter. Uh, my wife ended up having a baby during that time, so I wanted to be home for that. And I finally came up with the opportunity to come on this one. Cool. And yep. it, it's been amazing, really good, really, really. Um, I found it really peaceful. I, I've been able to unwind yep. um, a lot. Um, and I've been able to, you know, just, just the location of where this is held. Yeah. I've just been able to, it's you beautiful. know, go out, sit on the beach, um, reflect on my past, reflect how far I've come, where I am now, yep. um, and just looking at what I want to do in the future. So sure. I'm pretty, uh, pretty in a good mind. Uh, pretty, I'm in a good mindset at the moment, and yeah, really looking forward to the future. That's good news, man. And is, is there, if there was one thing, what, what has been your team of awakening in this program? Um, I'd have to say the reflections at the end of each day. Yeah. Just to hear everybody else in our group um, talk about um, what they found positive during during the day and what they did and their experience, and for me to be able to share my experiences as well with the group, I just found it really uplifting. Mm. Um, it, there was no negativity in the group; everything was positive. Everybody was happy, and yeah, it was just every it was so open. Uh, it was natural. People were just coming out, sharing their sto- natural yeah. stories. It's amazing yeah. when you've got 
circle of 20 people and everyone's sharing their biggest aha moment for the day, it's hard not for that to be contagious. You're just absorbing it, you know, and they're absorbing what you're saying and then times that by the 11 days or whatever. It's just That's perfect. it, yeah. And, you know, just uh, again, the location where we're at, we're able to sit around a fire and, yeah. you know, the best stories are told around a campfire. So <laughs> that's it. <laughs> so yeah, it was, it was just it was gold. It was absolutely gold. Yeah. Love it, man. Fantastic. Well, uh, yeah, you've been an awesome uh, presence in the in the program. And um, I guess uh, before we perhaps wrap up, is there anything else you wanted to cover? Anything I've, I've sort of missed? Share out there. No, I'd just like to um, share that the share to the people that uh, who's going to listen, who are listening to this, yeah. uh, if they are interested in doing a Timor Awakening and they're feeling like, oh, I don't know if this is really for me, don't doubt yourself. Mm. Just get in there and do it. Yep. You'll, you'll soon find out on the first day that you rock up that mm. you're, you're meant for this. Everyone's got your back the other That's day. It. No one's... It. You're well looked after. It's not a... Uh, no, not so much of a slither of uh, an adversarial environment in any way, shape or form. It's all about people progressing. I think that's... You know, because the military can be a bit of an adversarial environment sometimes. You know, it's competitive. Um, not everyone has everyone's back. People have been let down by their peers, by their commanders, by their subordinates, whatever. So it's a bit of a – my experience is at times, depending on the unit, depending on the culture, that can be toxic. Um, and so I think people will look at a program and go, oh, I don't want to be associated with anything that's military in nature. Um, but that has been filtered out. Yeah, for sure. Program. That that was a really big thing of mine um, because I had a bad experience leaving the army. Mm. I never really wanted to go and do veterans courses because I didn't want to surround myself with mm. that with those toxic people again or yep. or have to relive those experiences. But I actually found that going back and reliving some of those experiences and actually speaking them out and sharing them gave gives you a lot of healing. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Yes. And, and knowing that the, the peer mentors, that they are genuine. They genuinely mm. care about you. And they've gone through the, uh, the same thing as you. Mm. I mean, you're not speaking to doctors or psychiatrists that haven't gone fr- uh, through what you've gone through. Mm. You're actually going through people that have been yeah. through what you've gone through. And so it's genuine. And, you know, you can have the psychologist and the psychiatrist as well in the background for that clinical aspect of it if you want. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, but I think definitely. for... For this part, this element of somebody's sort of holistic health journey, I think it is. You're right; it's better sort of done by people who've walked that path before. Yeah, definitely. Nice one, mate. I think we can wrap up there. Thanks so much for your time. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Good on you, buddy. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We trust it's been valuable. If you've got any comments or questions, feel free to reach out to us at support at veteranscare.com.au. And we do encourage you to share this podcast with anyone you feel really needs to hear it. And keep a lookout for our next episode. Thank you.